Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Tom Adams here, and today, I think probably for the first time ever, at least in my podcasting career, we've got a three-man booth going today. And today, I am joined by both I Need No Name and Schnitzel. So this is a little bit of a different look. We decided, like I said, a three-man booth was going to be the move for today. So I'm very excited to be joined by both of these guys. And so, lads, I just got to ask, how are you guys doing? I know, again, you have to put up with being up a little bit late, being on the other side of the globe, and it just being the morning here. But how are you guys doing? Actually, today, uh, we managed to get you up early. So it's only 8 o'clock over here, which is quite nice for us. We are wide awake, and we are ready to talk about our big mega topic that we have planned. Yeah, for a change, uh, we're not dozing away as you speak. So that's nice. <laughs> yeah, I have to you know, let all of our listeners know BFW is perhaps a little bit better of an alarm clock for me than a regular alarm clock because uh, getting up to talk about football, Bayern Munich and the Bundesliga and everything like that is, uh, is one thing, but getting up for work is another thing. So uh, maybe every day I should just pretend I'm getting up to talk about football and I'll just be a little bit better off. But anywho, uh, as In had just mentioned, we do kind of have a big mega topic that we want to talk about on this episode. And it's something that's come with a mixed bag of opinions amongst Bayern Munich and even Bundesliga fans for that matter. And today we're going to spend a lot of time talking about Hassan Salihamidzic, aka Brazo, Bayern Munich sporting director. We have a situation where his contract as sporting director at Bayern Munich is set to expire uh, around this time next year. So June 2023. And so it's a crucial period. We've already signed Nusair Mazraoui, obviously Ryan Gravenberg, Sadio Mane, this transfer window, Lewandowski. We still don't know if he's going to go to Barcelona or not. But we really wanted to look back on Brazo's tenure as sporting director here at Bayern Munich. And we've had some great transfers. We've had some deathly long transfer sagas. I think we all remember Leo Raisane and how long it took us to eventually sign him for Manchester City. But we've had some signings that haven't worked. And this is just a guy who there really is split opinion on everything he's done at Bayern Munich thus far. And he recently himself in Sport Build said that he is not thinking about fighting for his future. And he's just focused specifically on this window right now. But a lot of people really think that, you know, he's had a good window, Mane being the marquee signing. They really do think that he's fighting for his future. And so today, I just want to get a feel on how you guys feel about his tenure thus far as sporting director. Does he deserve, obviously, a contract extension? And how you guys feel about that? So I guess we'll go same order as the introduction. So in, how do you feel he's done as a sporting director at Bayern Munich? And I remember, I think it was 2017 where he officially took over. Yeah. So about Brazo, people will know that I have been harsh on him for pretty much his entire tenure at Bayern. But I will say this, before this transfer window happened, I was mostly, I don't know, I would say I was... 5050 uh, on him because I think the good he did was more or less balanced out by some of his worse decisions and the fact that Hansi Flick, you know, uh, that incident really, really hurt me. So I, I don't like right before this window, I was pretty much 50-50 on Brazo. But now that we have seen this Lewandowski saga just basically get out of control, really, with all the comments being made in the media, bad blood on both sides. And honestly, Bayern looking a little bit amateurish on every single front. I just can't help but think that Brazo has entered into the negative for me. And even the feel-good signing of Sadio Mane does not change that. I think Brazo needs to do a lot to get his reputation back in the eyes of the fans. And it's only this current 
boost to his approval rating is just because of the money signing. It'll go back down very soon and go back to its baseline. Schnitzel? I kind of expected this response from I need no name because I mean <laughs> negativity kind of you know it's a it's a thing and uh, he's the embodiment of BFW's pessimism. So uh, I mean he does make some sound points, but I think overall, if you're judging Brazo solely based on the transfers he's been responsible for, he has had a very very good track record, and I'm like very pleased with the signings he's made in recent years. I mean, some of the very noteworthy ones that come to mind when I think about his signings are Luca Hernandez, who's been an absolute stud for Bayern, just so good in defense. He is our best center back, no questions asked. Then Alfonso Davies, Tufil is one of the world's best left backs, quite possibly the best in the world when he is in form. Then you have Ivan Perisic, who was a very, very solid component of our treble winning side. So again, a very good transfer. Leon Goretzka on a free. I mean, how can you get how often can you get a midfielder of that caliber on a free transfer that was just yet another astounding transfer for me you obviously have some misses when you have so many hits like Renato Sanchez then you have uh Felipe Coutinho Miguel Quisons and so on Benjamin Pavard to an extent I mean the jury's still out on that he's been pretty solid in the second half of the season so we just have to see if you can replicate this form and then more recently you have some really really fantastic signings like I think Leroy Zane still has a lot to offer for us he showed what he is capable of in the previous season in the Hindrand. And I think he can still get to that form provided Nagelsmann continues to play him on the left and employs the same sort of half-space strategy that he did before. And this transfer window, you have Vyavinbers, Mazraoui, and Sadio Mane for a combined 60 million, I suppose, which is fantastic business. So overall, I guess the quality of this buy-in side is pretty great. Thomas Miller and Manuel Neuer have extended Muziala has extended for a very long time. The squad's looking very healthy. Outside of Lewandowski maybe leaving, which will be a big dent in the side's hopes, I think Bayern is very healthy, looking very competitive right now. And I think a large part of that goes to Brazo's extensive business work. So I'm pretty happy with this transfer so far. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I would add to what you lads have just said is, for me, I think it's one thing being a sporting director, uh, at a different club, let's say in the Premier League, just from the argument that the finances and the hyperinflation of the footballing market, you know, the Premier League is one of the leading forces behind that with the amount of kind of state sponsors, if you will, billionaire investors as owners that they have a lot of money being funneled into those clubs, uh, you know, and so a sporting director, let's say Newcastle United, for example, now or Manchester City or even Liverpool, you know, to name my my main club. It's a little bit different than being a sporting director at Bayern, you know, a club that's very conservatively responsible, um, you know, fiscally conservative from a traditional standpoint. Uh, we've gone through front office changes. Obviously, every club experienced losses financially from the coronavirus pandemic. But I think navigating through said losses at Bayern Munich, while we also had very, very monumental front office changes in Uli Honus and Karl-Heinz Rummenigge leaving the club, Oliver Kahn coming in and Herbert Heiner coming in, is entirely different uh, and a lot more difficult to navigate through. I know Oliver Kahn has spoken about this, even Herbert Heiner, you know, because those uh, two, in addition to Brazo, kind of all spearhead, you know, transfer activity, whether it be uh, contracts, outgoing players, incoming players. So I think that's one thing. Um, I know in approaches it from a little bit as uh, Schnitzel has been joking from a pessimistic standpoint, but I think personally, a lot of outside noise is generated 
which doesn't help his case. But I think that's one thing that you have to kind of uh, go back and look at that uh, from a different level. So I think with all things considered, he's done a fairly decent job. But um, and I don't know if you have anything to add to the uh, arguments that myself and Schnitzel have just posed. So the thing about this is that you guys seem to be very focused on the transfer aspect of Brazil's job. But I should remind you guys that Brazil is not just a chief scout. He's not just judged on his transfers. He also oversees the competitiveness of the Bayern Munich first team. And I should point out that it's been a very bumpy ride ever since he was hired. How many coaches have we lost in just the few years that Brazil has been in charge? We've had Carlo Ancelotti, followed by Jupp Heynckes, followed by <sighs> Niko Kovac. Then we had Hansi Flick, and then Hansi Flick left, and now we have Nagelsmann. Out of those, how many can you say were good coaches? I would say only Hansi and Jupp. Brazil does need to take responsibility for that as sporting director. Then there is the fact of how does he conduct his negotiations? How are they done? How quickly does he do them? Remember this. When he sees a target, he goes after it. But how does he go after those targets? Look at Lucas Hernandez. Did we negotiate with Atletico Madrid? We did not. We had to pay an 80 million euro release clause. Okay. And then look at someone like Adam Hudson-Odoi. We tried to get him. We completely, we annoyed Chelsea so much with Brazil's public <laughs> comments that they basically did not want to even talk to us about transfer. Leroy Sané, again, same thing as what happened with Chelsea. And then the transfer got delayed by a year and we still ended up paying well over 50 million to get him from Manchester City. I think yeah, even after that injury. Yeah, even after that injury. And then there's more. Benjamin Pavard, again, people say good piece of business. But again, it was a signing where we got him for... 35 million and a release clause. Dia de Pancano, again, a release clause. Brazil seems to really enjoy making release clauses. He does not enjoy the negotiating side of transfers. And I think this window is the first time where we've seen him be proactive. We've seen him be competent as a negotiator. His negotiations with uh, Liverpool for money went very smoothly. And his negotiations with Ajax for Ryan Gravenberg went very well, I think, honestly. But mm -hmm. even so, this window, first of all, it's an outlier in his tenure. And secondly, I should point out that we cannot evaluate the window yet because we were saying a lot of good things about him last window too. And it turned out that the signings he made ended up being flops. So we basically, the jury is still out on Brazil. And you guys need to remember that. There are a lot of things he's in charge of, a lot of things that he has to look after. Uh, stuff like contract extensions and everything. And I'm pretty sure Narayan is going to kill me if I don't let him get a word in. So uh, go on, Schnitzel, <laughs> say something. Yeah, my ears were starting to bleed, so I had to say something. <laughs> uh, firstly, I don't really agree with the fact that you think Joe and uh, Flick were the only good manager signings we've had. Because firstly, Nagelsmann hasn't had his time yet. We have signed him for five years, so... I think this season will be more reflective of, you know, what he has to do with the team, given that he has many more tools at his disposal to kind of, you know, showcase his system and his strategies. And secondly, who would you have rather had in that situation? I mean, Flick. The, it wasn't like the market for coaches Hansi was brimming Flick. with talent. Hansi Flick. It's very easy. Uh, your was, uh, Lord Hansi and Savior versus, Hansi Flick it was openly, Hansi versus Presso. openly gave a press conference 
even before he informed the Bayern bosses that he was yeah. going to leave for the Mannschaft. Yeah. That is, you tell me something, uh, okay? That is just terrible management in general from Flick. I mean, that is. I a just very bad wonder. And, okay, I want to say something. Okay, this is something that people yeah. really do like to bring up. X Y Z person was very unprofessional in their dealings, and that's why Bayern's bosses got blindsided. Either we are the most unlucky club in the world, and everyone acts unprofessionally with us, or maybe there's some truth to the fact that Brazos communication with everyone is very poor. We now have not just Hansi Flick, we have Lewandowski saying it, Alaba had it, you had it with Corentin Taliso. So many instances of just players and even coaches just saying that they did not get the right, what should I say, the right communication from Bayern Munich and that's why okay, they ended up Alaba, going to the media. And that's just Alaba, a thing he, that... Oh God. <laughs> that's just a thing that, like, look, Look, it's not you can't keep getting unlucky with these guys. And honestly, you tell me, like Lewandowski has never been unprofessional in his entire eight years at Bayern, and then suddenly he's doing it now. Alaba loved the club; he was very happy to stay here. And then right at the end, he leaves with leaving a sour note with us. Um, no, I, think I don't Alaba know. I just wanted to one make more money at that stage because he wanted a bigger package, which Bayern couldn't pay honestly. And I completely agree with that. I mean, imagine paying like. 20 million net per season for Alaba. I don't think... Yeah. I, I mean, Luca Hernandez probably earns that much or even a bit less, less than that. So I don't think Alaba deserved that much money. Um, from and then having to deal with the uh, infamous Pini Zahavi. Exactly, yeah. And I think the first time Bayern dealt with him pretty well. And Lewandowski has always been flirting with Spanish clubs. It's not his first time. I mean, he was very close to joining Real Madrid the first time. And this time around, again, he just switched clubs to Barcelona. I honestly don't see the logic behind, you know, him <laughs> wanting Barcelona, but that's a completely different story altogether. I mean, why would you voluntarily go to a broke club that has very little chances of achieving anything in Europe? And they might even ask him to get a pay cut just to stay in the club because their financials are in a mess. But anyways, that's about him and Zahavi and whatever goes on between them. But that being said, I don't think... So uh, I think there's one concept that we all need to sort of understand better, and that is uh, extensions. So many people want the extensions to happen earlier, right? So why can't you start the talks two years earlier and extend them accordingly? But like if you see, say a player has a contract till 2026, right? And you want to start your contract talks and complete the extension towards the end of 2024. That would essentially mean every contract band gets is only a three-year contract because you can extend a player by maximum of five years, but if a player already has two years in the contract, you get to extend them only by three years. If you see Real Madrid and other clubs, like Real Madrid recently had Modric almost run out his contract, right? But they wait till the players get to the end of their contracts and they somehow get the deals done. Modric still extended. Yeah, and it was all fine. With Bayern, some of the players could think that after having a long time at the spend at this club, they might be looking for different pastures. Like, just like how Mane did at Liverpool. He enjoyed a lot of success. He had one of the world's best coaches coaching him. And everything was set for even more glory in the coming seasons. And I'm sure Tom is not... I mean, I don't even know how Tom's feeling because Mane just left one of his favorite clubs to join his <laughs> other favorite clubs. So yep. that must but, be a pretty tough spot for you. But I mean, I, like I said, I think... Um, I've said on a, on a different podcast that I linked with BFW, I think, um, like, Thiago, respectively, when he left us for Liverpool, and then the other way around, obviously, Mane, exactly. Bayern Munich. I think they were very respectful about it. Um, sometimes... And- Players just want a different challenge. They just want to move clubs. Oh, yeah. And sometimes you, there's nothing you can do about it. Because with Thiago, 
We were so close to convincing him. He went to the washroom and he came out and he's like, I'm not signing that deal. So things change in a moment's notice. Some players just make up their mind to not play in a club anymore because after a while, it does get a bit boring. And I think Lewandowski wants to do this from a business perspective. He wants to expand his markets because we all know he wants to go to the MLS once he's done with his European footballing career. So it'll be nice to have a global fan base from that sense. So I think that is also playing a huge role in him moving to Spain. But that being said, I don't think just targeting Brazo alone and like making him the scapegoat of all our, you know, yeah. uh, all our points of view and all we have against the club is really doing him justice because I think he's being judged unfairly. You could okay. say the same okay. about Herbert Hena. Okay, I, 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 okay, I need to say something before you go off into three more tangents. So first of all, <laughs> let me address the point of contract extensions. You cannot tell me that every single player that we've lost over the last three years is just down to the fact that they got a little bit of wanderlust and decided to leave Bayern. We must be the worst club in the world in that case because everyone's decided, okay, I just don't want to be here anymore and I'll just leave no matter what. That just does not happen. What is happening here is that through repeated incidents of Brazo starting negotiations late, we have given opposition clubs a great chance to sign our very, very high quality players on very low transfer amounts. And that is what is allowing them to get our players for cheap. Understand this, okay? Players don't just want to stay at a football club forever. They are incentivized to move. So I should point out that your point about any five-year contract we give essentially becomes a three-year contract. I agree with that. But that is the reality of the market, okay? You need to understand that those last two years, you are probably going to either extend your player in those last two years or sell him. You are not going to be extending him at the end of year five. At the end of year five, the player is not financially incentivized to extend this contract. Neither he nor his agent will ever want to stay unless there's someone like Thomas Muller who is at the end of his career and extremely comfortable at buying Munich and has nowhere else to go. Okay, what happens when a player moves to free? The entire transfer fee that they would have been paid, like would have been paid for them by the spying club, goes to them as a transfer signing bonus. Okay, because of that, moving is always more lucrative. And this is a business. Players always want to make the most money. And because they are at Bayern Munich, where we've already won a lot of things and we keep winning every year, you need to guard against players looking for new challenges, new pastures, much more strongly than clubs like in the Premier League or in La Liga, like Barcelona, Real Madrid. Because you know that those leagues will always have a certain allure that Bayern Munich cannot replace unless we are A, dealing with like a German player who wants to stay with us and wants to keep his position on the German national team, or B, we start negotiations early, we start, we do them quickly, and we get the guy locked down on a new contract as soon as possible, okay? Yeah, and so Schnitzel, I was just kind of going to say, listening to you and in kind of lodge the arguments back and forth. I am kind of in the middle. I think there are isolated incidents of where uh, Brazo did sort of fall short. In had brought up earlier uh, in the discussion that 
the sporting director is not just transfers and contract situations and dealings. However, that is what the majority of people have a tendency to focus on. I think there's a lot of people that don't really fully understand the inner workings and everything that's involved with being a sporting director. I mean, even myself, I probably couldn't say, uh, here's everything that's on Brazo's contract uh, at FC Bayern München. You know, I'm sure there's things that I'm not really too confident about, despite the fact that I have a pretty, a pretty decent knowledge of it. But kind of correlating all that stuff together, you know, uh, one of the players that sticks out in my mind, you know, obviously Barraza has consultation with the coach. He was responsible for bringing Nagelsmann to the club. Like they're obviously involved in the transfers of managers as well. And as we know, he was one of the most expensive, expensive managers ever when we got him from Arbe Leipzig. So I'm thinking of uh, Nigla Sula, right? So this is another situation where we lost him to our rival. I believe it was on a free transfer as well as a player who was coming towards the end of his contract. And he made it very clear that he felt underappreciated at Bayern Munich. You know, there was all of this discussion about he had come back, I think, from an international break. Uh, and Hansi Flick thought that he was a little bit heavy and he wanted him to work on that. Niklas Sula didn't necessarily agree. He thought that unnecessarily his weight was more than once uh, an issue at Bayern. And, and for me personally, I don't really think it ever seemed to slow him down on the pitch. And I, I understand the concern just because he is probably a bit heavier of a defender and he's obviously had two uh, ACL issues in his career. So that's a very wor worrisome uh, type of, uh, you know, injury track record, if you will. And a manager is always going to be looking after that. But, you know, it, it doesn't just come down to Hansi Flick or uh, respectively, uh, yeah, Pankis or even, I mean, Ancelot is not really in the picture because I think he was the first manager uh, during uh, Zula's tenure at Bayern Munich. But Schnitzel, just to get your thoughts on that, because I know like I'm kind of in the middle of you guys with both of the arguments that you've been posing for the past couple of minutes. And he's one one isolated incident. I really feel where, you know, maybe Brazo could have done a better job and in, in talks about the communication issues. Like I had written the piece about Tolisso. He felt like he was kind of blindsided. And even though his contract was coming to an end, didn't get a lot of playing time. He felt that the communication from Brazo and I guess, in addition, Byron's front office just wasn't there. And obviously, we know he's going to be leaving this summer. Uh, so, Schnitzel, do you kind of, I know that uh, you're a little bit more on the other side of the argument, but especially for, like, let's just take Tolisso and Zula, for example. I mean, do you think that is a little bit of a Brazo falling short, or do you just think it's more of so many other factors playing into it that there was nothing Brazo really could have done to change either of their minds? Okay, so first things first, I'll thank you for getting the timeline ready for me so that I can just like take on whatever you've said and just expand on it. <laughs> of course. Firstly, I think uh, Sula, uh, Hansi Flick, right? It started from there. I'm talking about the uh, so criticisms like with regards to his fitness and everything. And uh, this has been going for quite some time. And obviously, there were also injury concerns regarding him re-injuring the same, you know, region. Uh, consecutively. So that kind of sparks a lot of concerns in the sense that is he viable to last for us in the long run? And I agree that he was really, really good. But it was always like whenever he got into good form, he then injured himself just to be out for six months. And then he came back, got into good form and the cycle repeated. So, and every time he came back, there was always this article about him gaining five kgs miraculously. And some people hypothesize was burgers, but I don't know. It's <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> possibly uh it's it's him and Fiat are probably going to Burger King or something. <laughs> the kingdom, uh, Burger Kingdom. Yeah, <laughs> the Burger Kingdom, indeed, yeah. So anyways, 
Uh, with, with his situation, I feel like there were a lot of factors in play. Obviously, the WhatsApp leaks that were not mentioned, him wanting to move to another club long before the discussions actually took place. This was probably like in 2018 or 19, if memory serves me right. And he wanted to like present himself to Spurs and Tottenham and whatnot. And that showed his desperation to leave Bayern. And it didn't start in 2020 or 21 when the talks died down. It stemmed from way back before that. And we're ignoring a lot of factors here, like Herbert Hainer and Oliver Kahn. They are certainly not Uli and KHR. Let's get this straight. KHR and Uli had this personal touch that these people lack. And I'm not convinced with Herbert Hainer yet. He hasn't done much as a president to actually show that he's vocal, he's supposed to write causes, and that he's there for the club. He, his angles look a bit too business-like to me. Like, he is only looking at the financial side of things and not the club side of things. The familial atmosphere is looking lost. And Oliver Kahn is obviously a club legend and all that, and he has a very good relationship with so many players, but he is also not there on that level. So I think we miss Uli and KHR. And for Hassan to navigate all these murky waters is certainly a very, very difficult task. And it's always easy for all of us to point the finger at him because he is the easiest scapegoat. I don't know what it is about him that people don't like. There were even death threats at some point that uh, his son had to comment about, if I remember correctly. So yeah, that man has been receiving a lot of flack since the day he joined. And I feel a lot of it has been very unfair. And with Nicolas Zula, he's always had one foot out the door for the past four or five years. And I believe a lot of factors like his fitness issues, his injuries, Hansi Flick's comments, the overall view of the club regarding his situation, they all contributed to his departure. And frankly, I don't think he deserved a 15, 20 million year contract considering all these uncertainties that surround his transfer. I agree that he's been around for some of the best moments that we've had, but uh, I don't think you can, again, pin the blame on Brazil for that. Okay, I, I need to, I need to, I know, Tom, you want to say something, but I need to respond yeah, to go that. For because it. Go for first it. First of all, Niklas Zula is not injury prone. I don't know where this idea came that he would be fit for a little while and then immediately be sidelined again. That is not a correct assessment of Niklas Zula's time at Bayern Munich. He was actually our most consistent centre-back for, I would say, the entire 2017 to 2019 period. Okay. And I would also say that before his ACL, he was actually um, on his way to being the number one centre-back at Bayern Munich. And even after his ACL injury, he was very good. He not only played well at centre-back, defensive lapses notwithstanding, which all our centre-backs seems to, he also played really well at right-back. And hanging on to him would have been a good thing for Bayern Munich. Second of all, you keep bringing up this point that Sue wanted to leave anyway. But look at where he went. He went to Borussia Dortmund. He took a definite step down. He did not go to the Premier League or La Liga. He did not take a step up. He did not go for massive wages. He went straight to our direct rivals just because he wanted to stay in Germany, he wanted to keep being competitive. But he did not want to do it at Bayern Munich. And I know for a fact that there is no way Dortmund is paying him anywhere near as much as he would have gotten if he had chosen to extend with Bayern Munich. Sula went because he did not want to be here. And look, I get it. It's not easy with these players, all these contracts. But with Brazo, there is an established pattern. Every single case seems to be slightly different in each way. But there are too many of these isolated incidents. At some point, 
a pattern of isolated incidents just becomes a pattern. And you guys need to realize that it's not just the contract negotiations. There are also patterns with transfers. There are established patterns with negotiations with agents. There are established patterns with negotiations with clubs. And there are established patterns of what Brazos says in the media and then does not back up in his actual work. So with all of that said, I know that Shinetto wants to say something, so I'll let him have a say. And then maybe I'll let Tom talk for a second because this is supposed to be a three-person podcast, which I keep forgetting. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's going to be difficult to like, I guess, refute every single thing I need no, say, I need no name says every single time because that's just going to consume a lot of time. And we yeah, because Tom I know what I'm talking about. At some point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but but then like, firstly, uh, how do we know which club Sula was presented to? Maybe many clubs didn't even bid for him. I mean, we didn't even look at the market. I mean, how are we that's, even supposed that's to That's even know worse for Brazil. How many clubs were he lost? He lost a player that we wanted to keep and no one wanted to buy. Yeah, but it's possible that no one wanted to buy him because they didn't see much in him like in the coming years. If a player is that good, if the player is like world-class and has the potential to be the stalwart and defense for like 10 years or more, then he should be worth a lot, right? And scouts should be able to see that from other clubs. But like if people are not interested, then that could possibly mean that they also see the same issues that Bayern sees and they chose to avoid it. And with Dortmund, I guess, okay, to be very frank, we'll be able to see in the upcoming season how well Dortmund do with the rejuvenated squad. And we'll also get to see how well Sula fares, which, honestly speaking, I don't think they're going to win the Bundesliga next season either. So, you know. I mean, winning the Bundesliga is a given for Bayern mostly. We have a 200 million euro revenue advantage over our next competitor. So, in that case, I know that a lot of people try to use this as a qualified that Brazo is actually good at his job, but he should be expected to win the Bundesliga every single season. So you're saying Whereas, instead of Brazo, if we put a clueless bloke in there and make him do the same job, they would still win the Bundesliga every season. We, we won the Bundesliga when we did literally did not have a sporting director. We did not have a sporting yeah. director for a year when Brazo wasn't around. So yeah, but that literally it's, it that, would be it would okay. be literally the same thing. Literally no one there would still be the same thing. I mean we wouldn't win it for 10 years in a row, but we would win for at least another one or two years while our extremely competent core of players that has already been established uh, continues to stay. Now, I should point out that Razo does have his, um, let's say, what should I say? His redeeming point. And I do agree with you that Heiner and Oliver Kahn, they are not early in KHR and they're not even good, in my opinion. Honestly, I think a lot of the blame falls on them as well for how Bayern has been deteriorating since the treble year. But that is neither here nor there. We are talking about Brazo. And whether Heiner is way too corporate or Oliver Kahn seems to be a little bit clueless at what he's doing, that doesn't have any bearing on what Brazo does as part of his job, which is his role as Bayern Munich Sporting Director. He is in charge of a lot of things. And a lot of things have been going wrong, okay? And this happens every single season. Every single season, there is some dressing room crisis. Every single season, there is, how should I say this, some kind of last-minute transfer that you have to panic by. Maybe, may, hopefully not this season. This season seems like an outlier so far. So maybe Brazo, finally, after five or six years, he has learned his lessons. But that means he's a slow learner. And I should point out that, look, Brazo, he has redeeming qualities. He did sign Alfonso Davies, Jamal Muziala. He can get these deals over the line and he seems to have a good eye for talent. One of the signings he did not make that a lot of the fan base wanted him to make, I didn't, by the way, Timo Werner. 
He yeah. did not make it. And I will praise him for that because we can see very clearly that Timo Werner would not have cut it at Bayern. He, you can see his games for the German national team and for Chelsea. He and I know is this might struggling. Anger you. And I know this what? might anger you, but the same the same applies for Callum hudson Roy as well. Why Callum hudson Roy? I'm going to say it. Because he's terrible. He's not Bayern he? quality. He's not. He would have been, he he would have been even better. He would Chelsea's bench. He doesn't matter. Okay, so Callum hudson Odoi, notwithstanding, my point is that Brazil seems to have a good idea of who he wants in the team and how the team should shape up. I don't really have a general problem with his transfer targets and even some of his busts. They looked decent, like decent transfers without the benefit of hindsight. And I don't think it's fair to really criticize him with that hindsight in place. Like someone like, for example, Marcel Zavitzer, who we both sat in a podcast this time last year and talked about a lot later than this around August last year and talked about how good the signing he was. And we were praising Brazil for it. But it turned out that he was a flop. So I can't really blame Brazil for that. But the point is that there are... He can't just be a sporting director with a vision. His ability to execute his vision has left a lot to be desired. It's not just the sporting director's job to build the squad. It's also to keep the squad together and to keep the squad harmonious, to keep coaches who can unlock the squad. And, you know, Brazo has consistently failed and succeeded, but also failed a lot in that front. And because of that, in my opinion, he has to do a lot more. He has shown signs of learning his lessons this summer and maybe if he does more in this regard maybe we should keep him on but i just wish this improvement had come earlier to in's point schnitzel i was just going to say i think thinking back we had covered this extensively um you know hansi flick and brazo's disagreements you know it became very apparent that those two had while they did have a lot of similar ideas as far as transfer targets we brought up timo werner i can't remember um, one of you gents might remember. I don't remember if it was Flick or Brazo that was very pro Werner. And at the time, the other it was Flick, yeah, right, yeah. And then so Brazo, not so much so at the time, and potentially it was one of the the roadblocks. And you know, yeah, I agree. As someone who watches a probably the most amount of the Premier League of anybody at BFW or BPW, it's almost like Timo Werner at Chelsea is like a completely different dude than the one at RB Leipzig. And to me, it's like frustrating to see as a fan of both leagues, but. And especially because of the fact that he could have been a Bayern player at one point. I know that um, Chuck probably would have like died of like overexcitement if that happened. So I, I wouldn't want to, I did not want to have to uh, lose Chuck or BFW. But anywho, like just listening to to in talk about that, like I, I said, I think I feel like I'm kind of in the middle of you two guys on that. I can't remember like, yep, Heinkus again for me is a little bit isolated because it was kind of a rescue act. Um, and I think, you know, he was just such a respected manager and figure around Bayern that there wasn't really as much restrictions on him. Obviously, at that point, uh, Uli and uh, Kali were still around, so it wasn't dealing with Oliver Kahn and uh, Herbert Heiner. But I think I feel like Flick is the only manager since Brazo has been sporting director where this rift and these discrepancies were so public. Um, And they even had kind of said contrasting things publicly, almost as if they were indirectly taking pot shots at one another. But Look, we don't know what goes on behind closed doors. We only know what's speculated and what some of these inside leaks get information to and then wind up reporting on. So we don't really know exactly what goes on. Uh, Schnitzel, I think you had brought up earlier, like I do think 
Um, as you had said, Flick knew about the Dimanshoff decision well before, like as we saw in the documentary, he told the players after that win away at Wolfsburg and then public, publicly announced it. If you remember that season, you know, not to use a bad language, but he was just so freaking pissed off every time he was asked about it. I think it was like at least for like a month and a half or a two month period. And, you know, he's someone who really, really does not like dealing with the press. Um, and I think most people who know him will know that throughout his career. <laughs> he really doesn't like dealing with him. And that was something, especially having won the treble and doing everything he did as Bayern manager. When that happens, you're going to be facing the press a lot more. And I think that that's something that kind of like drove him a little bit insane. But as Ian was talking about, like that's that's that is down to Brazo. You know, part of his job is making sure, as he said, there's a harmonious balance between the manager and the squad, the squad balance, um, squad planning, uh, future prospects, contract extensions, all of that. It is, you know, a very wide ranging uh, umbrella, if you will, uh, of responsibilities. And, you know, before I kind of uh, segue you know, to the next question, I know, uh, Schnitzel, did you have something to retort to that? Uh, not as much a retort as maybe... Or uh, just adding on to it. Reiterating, some spice. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I feel like, uh, obviously, some of the criticisms aimed at Brazil might have, and especially in terms of, like, maybe the internal squad planning in terms of, you know, how the extensions, the extension talks, rather, could have been a bit more nuanced and like started from an earlier stage uh, as in as opposed to leaving it towards the end of the contract and being quote-unquote relaxed about it because we've seen that a bit too many times for my liking but that being said i believe that he has been instrumental for many of our extensions and it's all about like the blame game at the end of the day like who how can you even if anything goes wrong it's always brazo but then if something 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 works out well, it's the coach, it's the management, it's everyone else. So Brazo has set himself to lose. It's almost like taking a sporting director role at Bayern will always make you a loser. And that Schmitzel, really pains me. I just got to ask, do you think he was the creative genius behind that uh, Thomas Muller extension announcement where he was in his room, where they built a replica of his room and he was in the old kit? Because if that was Brazo, I mean, more bonus points to him for that. Yeah, that and <laughs> they, they brought a goat for the manual lawyer extension. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know how much money was spent on those two like extension artworks or announcements, if you will, videos, but those are pretty fire. I'm not going to lie. Like that, yeah, I got I really hyped for hypothesis that uh, Brazo okayed Flick's demand for Bunazar just because he foresaw that money would join us like years down the line. Yeah, how about that? It was almost like 64D that? underwater chess by Brazo. Yeah, so. yeah, playing a little bit of chess, not checkers there. The yeah, long game. Yeah. So, okay, so I should point out that Bayern Munich has like marketing people who <laughs> decide what the social media post stuff look like. So <laughs> that is not actually Brazil's job. That's not giving hey, too maybe many he jobs. gave it the green light, or I don't I mean, know. Maybe he's involved with that somehow. Because in you uh, were saying, you know, guess. it is a very wide ranging umbrella as a sporting director. You never I, know maybe until he's you in do. there. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's not <laughs> that wide. People. I mean, he's a sporting director, not marketing <laughs> director. It's in the name. <laughs> Yeah, that I mean, is true. That is true. He's also a pretty decent martial artist from those images circled. In the <laughs> okay. Video. Yeah, Ninja Brazo is a great meme, but how often <laughs> is he actually a ninja? I mean, that is <laughs> the thing about Brazo is that the fact that we are having to debate this this hard is pretty much a sign of how his contract, I mean, his tenure so far has gone. He can't really have a consensus on what he's done right. Other than the fact that, look, look, 
he got the Alfonso Davies signing right. He got the what? Uh, Jamal Muziala signing right. He got it right, right when he decided not to buy Timo. What about everything else? Everything else he's done. Okay, there is always some kind of caveat. Signing guys like Leon Goretzka or Benjamin Pavard or Lucas Hernandez, all these guys, you have release clauses or free transfers. You have then, you have guys like Leroy Sané and Marcel Zabitzer, where the negotiations were difficult and the players have been underperforming. You have the incident with Flick. You have multiple contract extensions that ended up failing and players leaving on very low numbers. Now you have a situation where Brazil really does seem competent. If you had asked this question before this transfer window, I would have said uh, Brazil needs to go. But now he is making a case for himself with the money transfer and the Ryan Gravenberch and Masrawi transfers. And now he can say that, yes, I have this body of work. And if he manages to fleece Barcelona for like 60 million, 50 million, then he can maybe ride off into the sunset knowing that he's done a good job. But still, I am going to, I, am, okay, I just need to, <laughs> yeah. I just need Before to, you ask I, in something, I need to, I just have I one question say. in. One yeah, question. Okay, fine. Go for what it. does Brazo need to do for you to, you know, consider him a success at Bayern? Extend Lewandowski. Take another ninja yeah, one it. thing? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> okay. Okay. What if what if Lewandowski stays for the next season and contributes to a UCL but then ends up transferring out for free? Nah, sorry. Is that still bad? Nah. Then 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 that's thanks to the contract he signed all the way back in what, 2017, that was spearheaded by Hernes and Rumenica. So that is not a Brazo thing. That is Brazo, once again, taking credit for the good work of people who came before him, just like he did for the trouble. That's all I'm going to say is if Lewandowski stays for another season, there better be a fire announcement video for it, even though there's nothing technically going on as far as an extension there. They got to have him. Uh, do you two both recall, have you seen the videos of when... Uh, Santi Catorla was announced as a Villarreal player where he came yeah. out of the little smoke capsule. It's got to be better than yes. that. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I also and really it, like Ajax announcement videos a lot. So I think that, something yeah. of that. Yeah, they have some really good videos. Those are pretty good. good. And they but, also had, uh, I think it was Marseille, their uh, signing video of uh, uh, Kizomos was also hilarious. Like, okay, they had some guys. rap music in the background. Oh, there, you've just... You just, <laughs> you've just Reminded me of one of Brazil's greatest hits, Mikael Guisa. Step over King. Step over King. They always make oh, wow. me. Uh, I, 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 I actually, I just <laughs> forgotten about him. So thanks for reminding me. Okay, there's another black mark on Brazil's record. No, but to be honest, we still managed to sell him off for as much money as we got. We did not. Actually buying him. We yeah, made a like loss on him. No, not 10. Are you kidding me? Vendetia will play 10 million. <laughs> no, no, I'm pretty sure it was in the single digit low single digit millions and we also since venezia got relegated we didn't even get our 1.5 million euro bonus so yeah it, 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 we ended up making a loss on him we helped added some uh stimulus to seria and, and sending him yeah. okay so i i want to ask the last question of this because since i've been very clear and oh, okay. you guys have been uh, mainly mainly tom has been very ambivalent what does Brazil, do you think Brazil needs to do more in the final days of this window to secure a contract extension? Or do you think he's done enough? That This is actually interesting because I think it kind of uh, parlays nicely into what I was going to ask. So I'll just work it in because I was going to talk about, um, I don't know if um, either of you have more examples, but I'm thinking in my mind. So the fact that 
Brazo is someone we talk about FC Bayern München DNA. Obviously, he was a player for the club. He's been around the club for a very long time. Um, in the Bundesliga, I'm also thinking, you know, former players that turn to a front office position, Freddy Bobic, uh, Max Aburl, um, Felix Magath. I don't know if there's any other that you any other guys that you can think of um, as far as like a sporting director. I don't know. Was Yep Heinkes ever a sporting director or was he for either Gladbach Ilyanis. or Bayern or was it just managers? Ilyanis was? Yes. He, okay. he was sporting yeah. director before he became uh, uh, president. So yeah. I don't know if this is just more... Um, culturally speaking, like more of a prominent thing in the Bundesliga than it is in the Premier League, because I can't think of as many, uh, at least recent examples of this in the Premier League. I can think of former players becoming managers, but not front office members, either as a sporting director or, um, you know, a club president or anything like this. You know, I know the the inner workings of front offices in the Premier League are probably a little bit different, but I wonder if that is uh, internally giving Brazo too much slack. Um, the fact that he is, you know, a, a former Bayern player and someone, as I said, has this quote unquote Bayern DNA. Um, so I personally think that is something that internally they do rate highly. And I think that that's something they look for. Just traditionally speaking, remember when we were looking for a replacement uh, for, for Nico Kovac or sorry, not for Nico Kovac. It was before. Well, case in point, every time they're looking for a new manager, you know, what are some of the main criteria they look for other than experience? Is uh, a German speaker, someone who has experience, uh, preferably in the Bundesliga, right? So that's something that's very important to Bayern Munich. And it was Uli Honus, right, who had often said his dream for Die Mannschaft was, um, what did he say? Why am I drawing a blank on this? Like FC, wanted, FC Deutschland? Yeah, FC Bayern yeah, Deutschland. Want, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I think that is something, while it sounds kind of, I guess, corny, if you will, from the outside, I do think that is something that is very important at a, at a club like Bayern. And so in to kind of uh, tie that into the answer to your question, I personally feel as if he will get a contract extension. I think this window has been huge for him. I, I personally think the high profile miss, if you will, of Lewandowski and everything that's gone on with him, it, it, while you, just as you said, Brazo, he definitely has his stains and his black marks on his resume and his CV as sporting director here. But I genuinely think that such a player like him and all the negative noise surrounding him and kind of how long it took for some of these extensions to get over the line. I mean, Neuer and Muller aside, I think we all knew that they were going to extend. Maybe some of the other guys were a little bit uh, concerning in the fact that we're losing some players. Um, but like case in point, if, if Lewandowski, if there wasn't all this noise going on, I think the all of his uh, hate that he's getting right now would be a little bit less. Um, and because of that, I think that I, I, I don't know when it would happen. I know a sporting director is way different than a player. Um, I mean, I'm sure they can wind up extending him like halfway through next season or maybe even like after the World Cup. I'm not really entirely sure how that would work, but I do think he's going to get an extension, whether I think that's the right thing or not. I don't know, but time will tell. I mean, let's see how Tom, that is the whole point. Answer the question, Tom. Is it right or not? I think don't get try to read the question. Yeah. <laughs> I think he'll get an extension. I, I do think it's the right move. I'm very, very okay, much uh, a fan of like Bayern's traditional and conservative uh, values as far as that's concerned. So I, I think that's going to happen. So okay, so Tom thinks it is the right thing to happen. Yeah, that is true. Hey, yes, I had to give the fork. I have to give my context, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> perfect. Yeah. So, so um, Schnitzel, do you think it's the right thing? I mean, I know you didn't really. I think pretty much everything I've said in the spot so far is 
kind of self-explanatory and i think it it is the right thing in my opinion <laughs> i mean yes i think the pros outweigh the cons and i think overall bayern is still highly competitive in europe they're amazing in the bundesliga and they're always a champions league favorite when the season starts and we just have to get ourselves concerned or we have to rather start concerning ourselves with brazo and how well he's done only when bayern are not favorites at the start of a season when that point arises in bayern's timeline for the ucl that's when we should be concerned but even going into the season even if lewandowski leaves i think with mane's transfer and maybe a striker signing i don't know who they're looking at right now but maybe sasakalajic or skamaka or any other player i think we're still joint champions league favorites however controversial that might seem so we're still good to go and brazo has earned his extension so definitely two yeses from us and definitely yes. a yes from yep. in right no i would say that <laughs> brazo still needs to do more he needs to figure out this lewandowski thing and he needs to get us a replacement or get him on a contract extension for him to stay because look you can't go into a new season without a striker option that is a recipe for disaster and i have to disagree with schnitzel here where if we get to a point where Bayern Munich are not at least decent favorites for the UCL at the beginning of the season, then it's already too late, okay? It's already too late for Brazo and the board and everyone. It needs to be stopped before that happens, okay? I don't want to see us turn into Man United. And look, Brazo is the guy in charge. He's the guy making moves and he needs to be better. And fair play to him. He has been better this summer, but he needs to keep doing it. And I'm honestly disappointed in him i if he had only done this a little bit earlier maybe we wouldn't be talking about this debate we would be saying oh wow brazo great job so far you know all that kind of thing yeah so Lewandowski staying would change in's mind yeah easily it could happen you know we've got we've got a long time left in this transfer window and preseason starts in a couple of weeks so we'll i should see point out Lewandowski changing staying and uh extending not just leaving for free because that's still a disaster Yes. Well, yeah, like I said, transfer window still open till August 31st. We'll see if Lewandowski shows up for preseason training midway through July or if he uh, goes on strike. But I know we've covered a lot today. That was actually really great. I felt like I was in the middle of like around the horn or something or like, you know, CNN's crossfire or something. But gents, I think that was great. I think a lot of people are going to really enjoy this episode and have their own opinions. So with that said, be sure to like, rate, and subscribe on whatever streaming platform you use to listen to Bavarian Podcast Works. Be sure to leave comments on our website on the associated written post to this podcast. Generate some good discussion on Brazo and whether you think he's done a good job thus far or not. And until next time, which will probably be perhaps one of uh, Chuck's weekend warmups, unless we get a new face on that. Thanks for listening. You can follow myself at TommyAdams71 on Twitter. Schnitzel, I don't believe, has joined the Twitter brigade yet. Uh, in is at BFWN. Is that right, In? Yep. And then, obviously, our main page, which I'm usually the man behind, at BavarianFBWorks. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, Auf Wiedersehen.